0: Father God, we thank you for today, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you that um, your word will go forth, Father God and Lord, that it will just touch people's hearts today, Lord. We thank you that it'll be your words and not mine, and that you would be lifted up and glorified in it, God. We thank you that everyone here will be blessed, and Lord, um, they will leave um, just full of your joy and your goodness, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, Stephen talked about the second greatest commandment, which was love your neighbor as yourself. And he talked about, you know, who was your neighbor. And we learned that anyone in need is your neighbor, which we also know everyone is in need. So my question today is how do we love our neighbor as ourself? And that's what I'm going to share with you guys today. See, the first greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. And to love God with these three things means you know the love that God has for you, and you have accepted his love, and you're walking in that love. And then that love will overflow from you unto others. And that sounds pretty easy, right? Well, it's not, and I think a lot of you know that because it's really hard to love our neighbors as ourself. But let me tell you why it's hard. And I have a lot of pages here, but um, I kind of double spaced so I wouldn't lose my spot. So don't worry. Um, It's because we have an enemy that is seeking whom he may devour, who is very good at what he does. Okay, And he knows that if he can keep us from following the first command, then we can't follow through with the second one. What keeps us from being able to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? Sin does. Sin is man 's attempt to be God in his own life. Sin is what separates us from God. He knows that if we are still slaves to sin, then our heart, our mind, and our soul belongs to someone else, and we will not be able to love others. Second corinthians four four through six says the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ see God has put his light in us so that we can be a light for those who have been blinded but what the enemy does is he tries to put out that light by feeding us with lies he doesn't stop coming after after you because you know the truth okay God showed me that in order for us to overcome these lies we have to be aware of sin and how the enemy operates in our lives and I still remember the night that God revealed to me some things about sin that helped me see sin differently in my life and in others So it's been a while that he's been kind of dealing with my heart with this this was one night when we were at the jail the county jail here we used to um, go and and minister to the ladies there um and it was definitely an eye-opening experience um and just did some things in my heart but one night when we were at the jail and ministering to the ladies and i'm sure marty was probably there because we used to go together i was sitting there and i was listening to some of these ladies share their stories and they were asking questions about what we were talking to them about. And God began to rebuke some of the thoughts that I was having. Okay? See, I was sitting there, I was asking myself these questions. How could you do something so bad? And the other one was, how could you do something that would take you away from your children? I couldn't understand it. I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And so God began to show in me some things through that and. As he revealed, he revealed to me some things about sin that night, um, I realized I wasn't loving my neighbor, which means my heart was not where it needed to be with him. God reminded me that the only difference in them and me was I knew the truth. But me knowing the truth did not keep me from allowing the enemy to fill my head with lies about these ladies. See, what he was putting in my head was that I was better than these women. And I started getting a prideful attitude, and I'm thankful that God started to remind me the love that God had shown me when I was lost and deep in sin. How He pursued me when I was far from Him, and my heart began to see things differently. My judgment turned into compassion for these ladies, and we talked about you know life and last Sunday and about abortion. Abortion's another one of those things I can't wrap my mind around it. And I was, um, and why anyone would ever want to do something like that. And God showed me that night in in the jail, Um, I heard God say, Sin is powerful. But here is the good news God knew sin was powerful, and that is why God had compassion on his people. Because God loved us so much, he sent Jesus to die so we could be set free from sin. You had two types of women at that jail. The ones that knew nothing about the grace of god that was completely blinded by the enemy that were slaves to sin that knew nothing about the love of god and then the ones that knew the truth at one time and you would be amazed at the women that had gone to church their whole life and they were still in the jail and i'll tell you again the enemy does not stop coming after you because you know the truth If anything, he comes harder. And that's why we are told we must wear the full armor of God so that we'll be ready for his schemes. He had both types of these women believing that they were not loved, that they had sinned way too many times, and that they had to be perfect to be forgiven. And we all know that's all lies. That's what he does. He was keeping them from seeing the truth that Jesus died for the sinners and that he was sent to earth because of the love that God has for us. That God's grace is what sets us free from sin. See, God's grace is available to everyone, but the enemy can keep believers from even uh, from non-believers from even knowing that it exists. And he also aims to blind even the believers so that we don't walk in the gift that we have been given. Jesus even had to ask the disciples in Mark. If their eyes could see the truth, the disciples, the ones that were the closest to Jesus was allowing the enemy to keep them from seeing the truth. And if it can happen to the disciples, it can happen to us. I know it's happened to me. So in order for us to walk in love and for it to overflow out of us, we need to be more aware of how the enemy works in our lives as believers. We have to see sin as something powerful. We can't ever get comfortable enough that we don't think we need to put the whole armor of God on every day. This does two things, seeing sin as powerful. It reminds us to have compassion towards others that are struggling, and it reminds us of why we need God. Look, if you don't see sin as powerful, then you will feel like you don't need him. And that's what the enemy does. Not long ago, someone hurt my feelings, which is not hard to do. Um, But after that, a couple of days, my flesh and my spirit, they were at war. And I cried and I begged. I mean, it really got me down. And I begged God to take my, my emotions away. I was like, I don't want these human emotions. I'm just a big mess. And I hated feeling that way. And it made me feel ashamed. And it was, it was very hard for me to love my neighbor that did this. Because in the moment, I didn't even feel worthy of his love. And the enemy was filling my head with lies. One, one that I could overcome this by myself. And I was wrong I was not able to overcome these thoughts until I stopped trying to do everything myself to try to fix the situation and that is why we have to be aware of the enemy and how he operates see I kept struggling in my mind because I knew the thoughts that I were thinking were not of God but I couldn't overcome them but once I moved out of the way then God was able to come in and set me free the enemy knows that if we were caught up in our own mess that we can't share the light of Jesus. That if we're caught up in our own mess, we can't love others the way that we are commanded to do. I felt like the enemy was just having a field day with my mind. So why do we do this as someone who knows the truth? I know the truth. Paul explains it well, and that's where we're going to go. Romans seven fourteen. if you'll go with me there. It says well then am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful of course not in fact it was the law that showed me my sin I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said you must not covet but sin used this command to arouse all kinds of covetous desires within me if there was no law sin would not have that power at one time I lived without understanding the law but when I learned the command not to covet, for instance, the power of sin came to life and I died. So I discovered that the law's commands, which were supposed to bring life, brought spiritual death instead. Sin took advantage of those commands and deceived me. It used the commands to kill me, but still the law itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. But how can that be? Did the law which is good cause my death? Of course not sin what was good to bring about oh and I've just read okay so we're going to go a little bit further because I'm reading ahead so we can see how terrible sin really is and use God's commands for its own evil purposes okay now I'm 14 sorry about that so this trouble is not with the law for it is spiritual and good the trouble is with me for I am too human a slave to sin I don't really understand myself for I want to do what is right but I don't do it Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree with the lo- that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me that does does it. I have discovered the principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life? The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. So until we go to be with the Lord, Paul says that there's going to be a war between our spirit and our flesh. See, there's a desire to do good, but we don't have the ability to do it on our own. On our own, we will always do what the flesh wants. I feel like Paul more than I'd like to admit. The desire to do the right, but feeling the pull to do the wrong thing. See, God has set us free from sin, but we have to choose to walk that life every day, a life of freedom. Paul said, who will rescue me from this? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then down in chapter 8, it says, therefore, because of everything I just said, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because of the law, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. That means when I feel like this, when I'm waging between good and bad, I don't have to feel condemned about it. God said, come boldly to the throne, and there you will receive mercy and grace. We can come to him and let him know we're struggling, just like Paul said he did. He does not leave us to fight this on our own, and I'm thankful that through the years that I have grown in the knowledge of of his grace, I've become more aware of sin and the lies of the enemy. And I'm able to overcome these lies, all the lies that I was dealing with then, quicker than I used to. See, the biggest weapon of the enemy is to fill your head with lies. To condemn you, to isolate you, to make you think that you don't need him. And until we become more aware of his lies, they will continue to lead us into sin and will keep us from being able to love God and our neighbors. I wanted to share today um, some of the lies that I've encountered in my life that have, the ones that I've seen too many times um, that have kept me from loving God like I I know that I want to, that I desire to, Um, and so I wanted to share those with you today. Um, Number one is I have sinned too many times for God to forgive me. And like I said earlier, condemnation is one of the enemy's biggest weapons, but God has a bigger weapon, and that is mercy. Go with me to John 8, starting in verse 1. Get a drink when you are going there. Okay. John 8, verse 1. It says... They were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote in the dust with his fingers, or with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So as he stood up again, he said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Here was a lady who was guilty. She was caught in the act. There was no question about it. Can you imagine all that she was feeling? The guilt, the shame, and the fear, all the things that uh, condemnation brings? And I'm sure she felt like she couldn't even look Jesus in his eyes. Have you ever felt like that, that you just have just felt like you've done too much, you just can't even look at him in his eyes? And then he said, if there's anyone here without sin, they can throw a stone. And of course, everyone left because everyone falls short and has sinned. And then he says to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord, she answered. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, do not sin anymore. Look, he wasn't speaking of sinless perfection. That's impossible when we're on this earth. He wanted her heart to be changed and not want to sin, to not have that desire to sin. Here she was a sinner standing in front of a sinless Savior receiving mercy and grace, just like me and you. Our sins are many, but His mercy is more, thank God. Psalms 86 15 says, but you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. And Exodus 34 6 says, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiven iniquity and transgression and sin. And I wanted to look up that word, long-suffering. And it's having or showing patience in spite of troubles, especially those caused by other people. He has patience with us, and I'm so thankful for that. And he is full of all those things, compassion, and and he's gracious and in mercy and And this is what people need to know. Not so much where sin will get you. We're really quick at telling people if they don't stop sinning, where that'll get them. And yes, they do need to know that. But instead, let's start telling them about his compassion, his grace, his mercy. That's what's gonna draw them into him. And I was like the Pharisees that night in the jail, not showing compassion for these ladies like God had shown me. But I'm thankful my heart changed that night towards those who are struggling with sin. And that's why I ask God to always let me remember who I was before him and who I am now because of him. And from there, a thankfulness will flow from that. I remember not too long after that, that night, and God had been dealing with me about you know the power of sin. And I um, volunteered for CASO, which is Court Appointed Special Advocates for Children. Um, and I had a case that was going on at the county jail one day. And so I went up there so that I could hear it and I went in there and at that time this was not too much longer y'all probably remember um the young man that um murdered the guy from max or yeah max and he got caught and got arrested and everything and I didn't realize that that was going on that day that his his first I guess you know appointment in front of the judge was that day and I walk in and I see I'm I see him standing in front of the judge. And this guy had murdered someone. He had taken someone's life. But I felt compassion for him. And his dad was there. And all I saw, instead of a guy who had murdered someone, and I'm not saying anything to toot my own horn, but God had been showing me this. That he is a compassionate God, and I saw just a young boy who had made too many mistakes in his life, and you know one after another, and then that 's where he ended up, but that doesn 't mean he wasn 't you know he didn't couldn 't receive god 's grace and mercy in that, and that 's the God that we serve and and i 'm thankful that God just just reminds me that you know, where I was and where he's brought me. Um. Anyway, so the first one is I've sinned too many times to be forgiven. And the second one is that if you are really saved, then you would not be sinning anymore. And the enemy has really played that lie in my head quite a few times because as I was younger and, and new to the faith and stuff, and I'm sure I'm not the only one again, um, each time they would have an altar call uh, to be saved, there would be that little voice in me saying, Am I saved? Am I really saved? You know, and then I would feel the need to come up and, and ask God, which is completely okay. But I questioned my salvation too many times because of the lies that I was getting from the enemy. And as I got older and understood more about sin and more about his grace, the less I felt like my salvation was on the line every time I messed up. First John 1, 5 says, if we say we have no sins, then we are deceiving ourselves. If it says confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our, of us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Being saved doesn't mean we will not sin. It means that we are aware when we sin. It means that when you sin, there's something inside of you that sees it for what it is and it's wrong. That there's a heart transformation that takes place, that there's a desire to not want to sin and there's a desire to please God. Being saved means that if we confess our sins, that God will forgive them. John 10, 28, 29 says, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the, out of the hand of the fathers. God has you and he will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not let the enemy tell you otherwise. So the first one is I've sinned too many times to be forgiven. The second, that if you are really saved, then you would not be sinning anymore. And these are just lies that the enemy just will play in your head over and over. And the third one, I'm probably going to cry again. That's just what I do. Um, is because I'm going through this hard thing, God must be punishing me. Now, I saw this lie. I told you. This lie. Really big. Um in my dad's life so i lost my dad back in 2018 and i told myself when i was going to talk about this i was not gonna cry um and he had cancer and he had to go to the emergency room, emergency room quite a bit after he found out and he found out and like three months later he passed away but anyway we were at the my sister and i would take turns Every time you would have to go to the emergency room. And it was my turn. And so I went. And I was sitting by my dad. And my heart broke because he sat there and he looked at me and he said, I know I have messed up in my life, but I never thought I messed up this much. And at that moment, again, you know, my heart broke because my god my dad was not feeling god's love instead he felt like god was punishing him and instead of feeling his love in this such this difficult time the enemy was making him feel condemned and unloved and now i know that some of the things that my dad went through with his body was you know things that was some decisions in his life that he had made can cause that but What he saw was God was punishing him because of the mistakes he had made. And I told him, because at that moment I prayed, God, I need to know what to tell him. And I asked him, well, I told him, I said, Dad, God, bad things happen because we live in a broken world. I told him that God loved him and he thought God was angry with him. And sadly, that's how a lot of people view God. They think that he's mad at them. And if you read the Old Testament, there's a lot of wrath and judgment and doom and gloom. But if you continue to read, you will see the entire Bible as a book that journals God's mercy and compassion. You will see that God doesn't punish, but because he is a God of free will and he's a just God, he has no choice but to give you over to what you become a slave to. And even in that, though, he will continue to pull you out if you call to him. Every time. And if you need a reminder, um, Nehemiah 9 is full of that. And we're actually going to, I want to go there because it's so good. Nehemiah 9. I think I'm through the crying part, maybe. Um, Let's start in verse 16. It says. But our ancestors were proud and stubborn, and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you were a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them, even when they had made an idol shaped like a calf and said, This is your God who brought you out of Egypt. But in your great mercy, you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness. The pillar of clouds still led them forward by day, and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night. You sent your good spirit to instruct them, and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness, and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, and their feet did not swell. And then down in, let's skip down to 26. But despite all of this, still all the disobedience, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned back their backs on your law, and they killed your prophets who warned them to return to you. So you handed them over to their enemies. You made them suffer, but in their time of trouble, they cried to you and you heard them from heaven. In your great mercy, you sent them liberators who rescued them from their enemies. But as soon as they were at peace, your people again committed evil in your sight. And once more, you let their enemies, you let their enemies conquer them. Yet whenever your people turned and cried to you again for help, you listened once more from heaven. In your wonderful mercy, you rescued them from rescued them many times. You warned them to return to your law, but because, but they became proud and obstinate and disobeyed your commands, they did not follow your regulations by the people by which people will find life if only they obey. They stubbornly turned their backs on you and you refuse to listen. In your love, and they refused to listen, in your love you were patient with them for many years. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but still they wouldn't listen. So once again you allowed the people of the land to conquer them. But in your great mercy you did not destroy them completely or abandon them forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. That's the God we serve, a God that will keep pulling you out if you come to him, that will keep forgiving you if you come to him. He is a patient and loving God. See, the enemy was keeping my dad from feeling God's love, and that's what he does. God never left my dad, but the enemy can feed your mind so many lies that you begin to pull pull away from him. He couldn't see that God is the one that will pull you out, and God will be your strength if you let him. And I prayed hard after that night that my dad would feel God's love the most. Through it all, he would feel God's love. And my dad didn't go to church, and he, he, didn't, he believed in God, and, and um, he said that many times. Um, and he, he didn't read the Bible like he should have. But one day, when I went to see him after he had gotten bedridden, I saw his Bible Sitting beside him and it hadn't been and I asked mom. I was like, you know, I see that dad's Bible and at that point I don't even know if he could have I, I Don't remember if he could have even you know tried to read it if he could have But my mom said yep, he wants it there and he doesn't want anyone to take it away Ooh, and, and let me tell you That I broke again, but this time it was a happy cry because I knew that he felt God's love like I had prayed. And the enemy, if the enemy is able to fill believers' minds with the lies like these, I can only imagine the havoc that he does to someone who's completely blinded from the truth. I was talking to someone about abortion not too long ago, and they were telling me that most of these girls were so blinded, they didn't even know what they were doing was wrong. They didn't even know what they were doing was wrong and so it's our jobs to be able to help these people know the, the truth to know the truth so why do you think that the greatest commandment is about love it's because love is what people need we don't have to agree with their decisions or understand their decisions but the love of Christ that lives in us is what's gonna pull these people out of the dark and into the light and that is why for us as believers, we cannot allow the enemy to preoccupy our minds with his lies. John 8, 31, 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what is the truth? The truth is in Jesus we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us, and that's in Ephesians. Revelation 12 tells us we are overcomers by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We have to start living our life as someone who has been set free from sin and death because more in Romans, it talks about how we have been set free from that, that we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore, that we can take what's ours and be free from that. We have to quit letting the enemy keep us bound up when he has already set us free We can't live like we're perfect because that will keep us from needing God. But we can live like we are being perfected, which means we're going to need him every day. We have to know who God is and who we are in Christ. And remember, God is a gracious, compassionate, forgiving, and loving God. And he's not looking for perfection. He's looking for a heart that is willing to be changed. When I was feeling like Paul and I I had this war going on in my mind and struggling to do the right thing in this situation... I was reminded that God sees and knows my heart. He knows your heart. He doesn't wait to see if we're gonna make the right decision and then show up. He is there the whole time waiting for us to accept his mercy and grace. Remember, sin has power, and that's why we need God. Sin will lie to us, and that is why we need God. We can't overcome sin without him. So I just... that's all I have, but I really hope that this encourages you guys. I know I've talked to people that feel like to, in order to walk through those doors, they have to be perfect, and that is a lie. It's a lie of the enemy, and that's just him keeping, doing all that he can to keep you from God. And I pray that you will begin to, to be aware of the enemy's lies, because he won't stop, even if you know the truth. He will keep coming every day, and that's why the Bible tells us we have to put on the full armor. We have to be aware of him and how he operates. So unless Stephen has anything, I'll go ahead and pray, and I guess Andrew comes up, do you have anything? You're good, okay. I guess Andrew can come up, come up, and I will go ahead and pray. Father God, we thank you for today, God. We thank you that you are a loving, compassionate gracious God. You're a forgiving God, and we are so thankful that we can come to your throne. God, we can come boldly to your throne and receive mercy and grace in times of, that we're in need, Father God. And you know that as humans, we're in need every day, God. And I'm thankful for your goodness and your love towards us that while we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to die so that we could be set free from sin and death I thank you, Lord, that we would become more aware of the enemy and how he operates, and that in doing that, God, we will be able to love you, God, with our whole heart, our whole mind and soul, and that through that, we'll be able to love others. God, I pray that people will feel your love and your goodness, that it will pull people out of the dark, that you will use us, Father God, to help pull these people from the dark into the light, God. I pray that their eyes would begin to open, be open, God, to the truth, that the truth will not blind them any longer. I thank you for all that you've done and continue to do in our lives. Thank you for where you have brought us, God. Just like the people of Israel, God, they complained and they complained and they kept coming back to you, God, and you kept forgiving them, God, and you never left them, you never abandoned them, God, and I thank you that's the same thing you do for us, that as we cry out to you, you hear us from heaven and you answer us. And I'm thankful for that, Lord. I thank you that each and every person here today will leave feeling that love, that they will not let the enemy take control of their minds. God, that they will not let the enemy keep them from you. And I pray for blessings for each and every one of them and safety as we go. And we thank you for just everything, God. And we just give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus name. Amen.